Warning, the NBA Hole podcast is not intended for children. The explicit tag is there for a reason. It's only intended for adults that are masochistic enough to consider taking an MBA program. If you like the show, please give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps us fool our robot business overlords that we are, in fact, more important than we actually are. Follow us on the Twitter box at NBA Hole Podcast. Hold on to your butts. Here we go. Hello and welcome to the NBA Hole Podcast, episode number two, Dropping a Deuce. Okay, today we are going to talk about economics and how economics is demanding. That's <laughs> a pun. It's funny. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, uh, for, I guess, the structure of this episode and possibly future episodes, I'm just going to kind of like hit the highlights. The point of this show is not to teach you shit that's in an MBA program um, as you would be taught, is to teach you about the things that you will learn uh, and about uh, sort of what to expect when going into some of these programs. I'm just going to hit the high notes. A lot of this shit I did a while ago, so I don't remember bits and pieces and that sort of shit. And I'm going off some old handwritten notes. So bear with me. And I may get shit wrong. It's a podcast. What the fuck ever. So, uh, you know, this is supposed to be entertaining. And I'm going to talk about economics. How the fuck can that be entertaining? Uh, I don't know. Okay, so economics. Um, this was my first MBA course and I was going into this cold after, I don't know how long, uh, of not being in school, uh, other than doing the prereq with, uh, statistics, which was a, I honestly was a good way to get back in. Um, yeah, this was kind of jumping in the pool, um, not dipping my toe in the water, um, there was a bunch of things going on with economics and uh, overall uh, the types of things that you learn in this program. Uh, not only that, but uh, the types of things that you learn about an MBA program when you're in this. So the first thing I will say is if you're in an MBA program, get ready for Harvard Business Review case studies. Woohoo! Uh, you're going to have a subscription to the Harvard Business Review, and you're going to read some shit. Some of it's uh, good, some of it's not. Uh, some of it's, in my opinion, they try to write it like a fucking Nancy Drew mystery. <laughs> They're like, oh, what would have happened? What would you have done in this situation? It's like, eh, I don't know. Um, but as with anything... Uh, what I will say is take take what you can from it and just leave the rest, I guess. Uh, but uh, yeah, so you're going to get used to that. And then I think there's like Ivy Publishing. Uh, what are some other ones? Uh, I can't remember. But uh, there's, a, there's a handful of 
of ones that you will have, I guarantee you, you will do Harvard Business Review case studies because uh, they're kind of like the top tier. I mean, this is fucking Harvard, you know, Harvard, you've heard of it. Uh, so anyway, also get ready for group projects. If you haven't been in school for a while and you used to hate group projects when you're in school, tough shit. <laughs> you're going to be in more group projects. And uh, yes, there will be people that don't pull their weight. Yes, you will be frustrated. Yes, people will submit shit that is absolutely stupid. Yes, you'll probably make a fool of yourself. Uh, let's see. What good can I say about it? Uh, well, group projects are kind of like work. I mean, in your job, you probably don't do something that's solely reliant upon you. So in that respect, um, I think it does teach you how to deal with people and how to deal with people that aren't pulling their weight, uh, that you don't have direct uh, reporting uh, structure. They don't report directly to you. How do you work with those people? And that's going to be most of the people that you work with. You're probably caught somewhere in the middle with most people that you work with. And you have to get projects that have your name attached to them done with their help. How the fuck do you do that? Well, uh, good question. Uh, that's, I think, why these group projects ex exist. Uh, the other thing with these group projects is, like, pre prepare to join Google Hangouts. Prepare to be on a lot of Google Hangouts calls on Sunday evenings at times that you fucking hate. Usually the day before the project is due, and most people haven't even read the shit. So prepare for that, because it's going to happen to you. Um, also, there will be at least one person in your group that uh, either insists on uh, putting together a WhatsApp group. I I'm not even fucking kidding about this. There will be at least one person who insists on a WhatsApp group um, or that you put something on Slack or something, I don't know, whatever is the fucking software of the moment at the time because email is just too hard to keep track of. Uh, fucking, I don't know. I think they just, I, I don't know why they do this. I think they, they think that they're, uh, they want to be different, but y'all ain't different. You just or another one of those people who wants to create a million WhatsApp groups and it gets confusing and bullshit. I mean, how many people are in your group? Like five, maybe? Can you just like put them on a group text? How the fuck hard is that? Like everybody has that. I don't want to give my data over to fucking Mark Zuckerberg. He's already got it anyway. All right. Anywho, let's move on to some economics. So uh, some of the things that you're going to learn or you should learn is uh, about market structure. It's probably going to be the first thing that you learn. What the fuck is a market structure? How are, how are, uh, how are firms, which are companies, I guess, lack of a better term, they, they will call them firms. How are they structured? Y'all got a monopoly, uh, which, I mean, seriously, like if you don't know what a monopoly is, you need to reconsider taking one of these programs. Like, haven't you played Monopoly? And like the point of having one is like you got all the power there. So, yeah. So Monopoly is like 
you, you're the only game in town. Um, uh, you got a competitive market, uh, which is sort of the opposite of a monopoly. This is, I think, the the one that they typically use is farms and and commodities and things like that, where like there's a billion of them, and there's so many substitutes, um, milk, I think. Uh, those types of things where it's like, yeah, I don't care what farmer I buy these beans from, uh, that the market demands or the market makes the price. Um, so uh, in a competitive uh, market, you are, they call it a price taker. So you like take the price that is given from that product. Uh, it's sort of set by the market and it's not set by you. And the opposite is if you have market power, um, which is... It's sort of loosely related with a monopoly, but I mean, monopoly is full market power and full market control. Um, but uh, market power is be is if you have market power, you are a, a price maker and not a price taker. So you kind of demand the price for the types of things that you have. Somebody that has a lot of market power is Apple. Um, I don't know Microsoft. They have these these products that you can't get anywhere else. You can't get another iPhone. You can't get another, I don't know, what the fuck else is Apple? Uh, MacBook uh, with all of their apps, iTunes, which is going away, Apple Podcasts. Uh, rate and review this dumb show on Apple Podcasts. Um, Microsoft, like Excel. I mean, you if you don't know how to use Excel, you're going to be sunk in an MBA program. Uh, newsflash. <laughs> And if you don't know how to use it pretty damn well, um, there are no real competitive products on a Mac. And I mean, you could say numbers, but like, no, no, fucking fuck numbers. Uh, same with Google and Google Sheets. Like, fuck that. Come on. Excel is sort of, a, a, they, they got a lot of market power. Uh, Microsoft Word. Um, I mean, there are some things that are nipping at its heels, but they're nowhere near the market power that uh, some of these Microsoft products have. Um, can't really think of anything else right now. Maybe like a, a car. Yeah, that's a good one. Like I saw this ad for a some fucking car that was lease it for seven fifty nine a month, and it just blew my mind. Like, so you're signing a thirty six month lease for this like Infinity or something like that, some Infinity SUV. 36-month lease on that thing is going to cost you $28,000 just for the payments uh, What on top of whatever fucking lease costs that you have. And you have no fucking equity in the vehicle. You turn it back over. <sighs> but I digress. That's market power. And then and then the commercial came on for Honda, and it said uh, lease for $219 a month. And I'm like, y'all, like, I'm not in the market for lease, but you are coming a lot closer to hitting your target right now at 219 a month versus 759. <laughs> oh, it's just a fucking car. I'm not enamored by luxury vehicles, but what the fuck ever. Some people like it. And uh, that's no my not my place to judge. It's just not for me. Okay. I will get off my digression and move on to economies of scale. So uh, you also learn about economies of scale, and basically, um, I think that you okay. So, you, like you create you create economies of scale by becoming more efficient with basically like becoming more efficient with the resources resources that you have. 
And maybe a good example of this is, let's say, during an acquisition of a company. Let's say yeah, you're at a company who has acquired um, multiple offices or whatever, and or, or you're expanding. Let's let's do that because that's less. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, that's less painful sometimes. So let's say that you're expanding and you're putting up new offices, and you say, okay, I need to have a a place that makes this, and I need a place that makes this, and I need a place that makes this. You may let's say you make three different things, so you put up three different offices, uh, strategically placed around the country, um, and but but what you do to create economies economies of scale, um, or a way to create economies of scale is to like utilize the uh, maybe some administration staff that you already have. Um, so maybe your marketing staff, your sales team, you're not hiring, like, it's not like a one for one where you put up this building and it has to have the same like cost structure that, uh, the other one does. So like your variable costs are less, um, and you're utilizing kind of your central, um, hub more, uh, and spreading those costs kind of across the company. So, at least that's what I remember it to be. I may be fucking wrong, honestly. It's been a while. Okay, so you will also learn about uh, supply and demand. So, I mean, that's like, you know, this is the thing that people joke about when they don't understand economics. Like, oh, you're going to learn about supply and demand. Oh, are you studying micro or macroeconomics? Those are the types of things that you're going to hear from people. And you're going to be like, come the fuck on, Jesus. This fucking economics. I'm studying all of it. It's a fucking MBA program. There's a lot of shit here. Slow your roll. Come the fuck on. Okay. So uh, supply and demand, like basically uh, you're going to learn things about supply and demand curves. And they, they're only going to, they only shift left and right. And I don't know. When I went through this course, I never found a good way to draw this on a computer. <laughs> I can always, I can always draw this by hand on a chart uh, and like show principles. And uh, we never really got into like putting this into practice uh, too much. And I could never find like a good software that could draw this to where I could like uh, uh, predict a price um, based on taxation or uh, changes in demand. But I could always draw it by hand. So that's what I ended up doing. Uh, I don't know if you'll run into the same thing or not. Um, but basically, uh, so your quantity demanded is going to rise as your price falls. And this is in, in a competitive market. So um, as your uh, price falls, um, people are going to want more of it. So, I mean, that's just how things work in life. So um, the other things to consider with supply and demand is like there's a substitution effect. Um, this is, you know, some things that affect the supply and demand curve. So the substitution effect, basically, um, it, it describes the price changes relative to another similar good. So let's say you have Tropicana um, orange juice and you have, I don't know, uh, some store brand orange juice. So you have this substitution effect uh, where you think that like it's you, you think that the Tropicana is better because it's it's uh, 
uh, more has better uh, brand recognition. But like if that other store-bought orange juice is a lot lower than the Tropicana orange juice, like you're going to be like, mm, I don't know, it's just OJ. So you're a lot more likely to swap that out for a different brand. So like as these other brands of similar types of products uh, change their prices, um, the other types of similar products can and will change their prices in sort of in in correlation or can. Um, but yeah, there is a substitution effect. Uh, there's also an income effect. Um, and basically like uh, change in price effectively changes disposable income. So like if that thing that you usually buy is just like it gets to a point, like to a pain point where you, you just, you're not going to buy eggs at $6 a dozen. You're just not going to do it. Uh, that's, that's going to like change how people behave and how your product is demanded. So you'll probably touch on that. Uh, I don't remember spending too much time on the income effect. I know we talked about it a little bit. Um, but ultimately like demand can shift for a lot of different reasons. So like substitutes, like we talked about income, like we talked about demographics. I mean, some people, some certain types of age groups, um, and male, female race, uh, location, those types of things have different demands and different, um, product lines. Also just like consumer tastes, like, uh, I don't know if, Pepsi comes out with a new product and it sells better and like Coke makes a new Coke and, and, uh, decides to put all their chips on new Coke and, uh, thinks that's a good decision. Um, I mean, that could totally change your consumer tastes and, uh, change the demand for Coke, new Coke, Pepsi, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, and then you're going to learn some formulas. This is where the fun comes in. Learn these formulas because they will be on tests, I promise. And if you don't know how to do them, you will get the whole freaking section wrong. Um, so I remember a big one was uh, quantity, de quantity demand equals A minus B times P. So like uh, basically the idea is uh, the quantity that's demanded uh, equals the intercept and then is a, like a negative... Um, and it's like negatively correlated to the price. So uh, basically like price goes up, the demand goes down, price goes down, demand goes up. That's kind of the idea, I think, <laughs> as I remember it. Um, and then also uh, you're also going to learn that uh, the from the supply side, which is your other curve, you're going to have two curves. It kind of looks like a weird wavy X when you're done with it and you'll draw it, you'll get used to it and you'll sort of understand it and you'll, yeah, you, and you might understand it enough to get through the course. <laughs> so, um, quantity supplied, uh, increases, uh, with price. So, um, if the price of the thing, let's say like the market price, uh, it's what I remember it being. So like if the market price for, I don't know, lava lamps goes up. And everybody's like, yo, I want a lava lamp. There's going to be more people that come to market and say, man, we should be making lava lamps. You see, they're, they're going for like $150. Like what is going on here? We got like the rebirth of the hippies. And, um, and, and, uh, I don't know. And then, and then you have to wonder like, is the, is the, um, 
lava lamps. What what are, what are lava lamps? You know, go down this rabbit hole. What are lava lamps correlated with? Is it like the increase of it's? Is there an increase of like freaking black light posters? <laughs> Maybe we should get into the black light poster and lava lamp business because those things seem to be correlated pretty fucking well. So. <laughs> Uh, but you, you will learn in statistics that correlation doesn't always equal causation. But uh, in the case of lava lamps, black lights, and black light posters, I would say it's a safe bet. Um, anyway, the quantity supplied increases um, when the price goes up. So you're going to have, a on your supply side of the curve, you're going to have this equation that says QS equals C plus, plus D times price. And so it's like the inverse of that. It's like the quantity supplied equals the um, intercept, which is C, uh, plus, the, uh, uh, plus D um, and the price. So it's, it's the opposite. So uh, the quantity supplied increases. Um, when the price goes up and then the quantity supplied goes down uh, when the price goes down because they're like, man, lava lamps, man, they, they used to be going for a buck fifty, and now they're like, I don't know, 20 bucks. So we should make less of them because we can only get 20 bucks out of this. That's what the market demands. And it costs us you know, $19 to do this. And I can, I'm making a dollar on these back when I was making, you know, $131 on this. Uh, that was pretty sweet, but, uh, times have changed. So there will be less people making them there. you the places that make them will make less of them, et cetera, et cetera. You get the point. You're smart. All right. You're also going to learn about, I don't know. I think this is key. This is the key in understanding supply and demand is understanding equilibrium and understanding how equilibrium shifts and resets and goes up and down and is affected by taxes, is, is affected by tariffs. Uh, let's say Econ 101 tariffs is bad. Uh, if you don't come out of Econ understanding that tariffs is uh, tariffs are about the worst thing that you can do to a free market, um, your econ class sucks. I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, yeah, equilibrium, uh, the idea of equilibrium is, is, I don't know, let's go back to the lava lamp thing. It's like, you know, you're, you're just chilling. You got the whole like middle finger touching thumbs thing, sitting with your legs crossed. You got your lava lamp going, you got your black light poster and your black light going and you're going, oh, that's equilibrium. Everything is right in the world. So you got your supply equaling your demand. Your price is that meditating hippie with the lava lamp there. It's just like, mm, I got nothing. I got no cares in the world. No pressure to change price. Okay? Got it? Simple, right? Okay, so then you have to understand like, okay, how does a surplus or a shortage affect the equilibrium price? Okay, well, just, uh, you know, your brain would say, okay, surplus. What would that do? If I have more of something, how's it going to affect equilibrium? Am I, if, I have, if I have too much of a thing, is that going to make the price go up? Is that going to make the demand go up? Or is it going to make it go down? Okay, well, I have, if I have too much of a thing, like, 
people don't really want it as much. So if people don't want it as much, it would stand to reason that the price is going to go down, right? So, and then if there's a shortage, uh, sort of the opposites. Like, all right, I don't have enough of this thing. Think Nintendo. Nintendo, uh, let's not, I'm not claiming anything, but uh, when Nintendo comes out with a new console... There seems to be shortages a lot. Uh, when the Nintendo Switch came out, is like they um, they couldn't make them fast enough, and uh, they they would release the, sort of release them in waves. They were really hard to find, and then they 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 found a secondary market, which is an interesting thing about economics uh, that you can find in um, Nintendo's anything where there's like a shortage. Um, or a surplus. A surplus can create a secondary market as well. Um, think of things like StubHub. Uh, that's an interesting economic study. Um, StubHub is a ticket reselling uh, outlet in the U.S., which is basically if you have a ticket to an event that you can't go to or just don't want to go to, you can resell your seat. And uh, it's sort of uh, the, the price there is sort of demanded or is, is uh, set by what's demanded. And it's a total secondary market. Um, so anyway, Nintendo sort of did that too, and they they created secondary markets on things like eBay, where these things instead of the three hundred dollar uh, tag uh, manufacturer's suggested resale price that they had, it was like you know twice that. So that's what a shortage can do. So it's kind of interesting, and you get to learn that, and uh, you actually do the calculations of uh, of some of that. Uh, you'll get into it. You'll have time. Okay, so another key uh, aspect to to understand is sort of from the cost side, and we'll probably get into this in a future episode um, because I'll probably do several episodes on econ first, um, and then get into some other subjects. But like you'll you'll understand this this um, concept called break even, which is basically where your marginal costs uh, equal your average total cost. It's a uh, it, they show it by MC equals ATC. And so, like, this is the idea where uh, your marginal costs, which um, is basically your change in total cost divided by your change in quantity, um, and your average total cost, which is your total cost divided by quantity, where, th- where they are equal. That's your break-even. So, um, you'll get into that. It's... Uh, You'll do some calculations on it and, and everything, and, and uh, you'll probably actually do a spreadsheet with that. They'll probably use something like pizzas or whatever. I think we used pizzas. Um, another really interesting component that you'll get into is elasticity. I, I really like elasticity, and I know some friends that are in a retail background, so where elasticity is very important, especially like at a store retail store level, um, it can help you understand how setting certain prices and discounting certain prices can help you sell things. And you can use your own data. If you have a big enough data set, which you should, if you're running a retail outlet, you sell, you know, 100 of these things a a week or whatever, it'd be pretty easy to calculate your elasticity. So um, you're basically, uh, it's, it's a sensitivity uh, of demand due due to price changes, so um, basically the idea is uh, e- the elasticity of price equals the percentage of change in quantity divided by the percentage of change in price. So um, 
And and what you get there is uh, telling you if it's elastic or inelastic. And so an elastic price or elastic elasticity of demand it's a it comes on the demand side so elasticity of demand is um where uh it, your it, if if e is greater than one it that means that it is price elastic and if it's less than one that means that it's inelastic okay so basically uh what what is elasticity? So if, if something is elastic, that means that it is price sensitive. And I, I can't remember how I, how I sorted this out in my head uh, during the test, but like, I guess like it's, f fuck, I don't know. You can figure it out. You're smart. Um, but the idea is if it is elastic, they're price sensitive. And if it's inelastic, they're not as price sensitive. So again, think of like orange juice or an iPhone. Your an iPhone's probably more inelastic. Orange juice is probably more elastic uh, because the substitution effect and and some other things. But like orange juice, that shit like goes up to five bucks a gallon. If one brand does, you'd be like, I'm getting the brand that's two bucks. I don't care. It's OJ. Whatever. Uh, if Apple creeps their price up to 1200 bucks or whatever, uh, you may pay that because it's a lot more inelastic and they're not going to do price cuts. They typically don't. Uh, Apple historically hasn't done price cuts. I think that's changed uh, with whatever the new regime is. I don't know who the fucking guy, what the guy's name is. Mr. Apple. Let's call him Mr. Apple. Not Steve Jobs, um, but uh, Mr. Apple. And uh, so... But, uh, but yeah, the Apple products are a lot more inelastic. And so an inelastic product has customers that are not price sensitive. So basically like the idea, people will pay that higher price. And if you cut it, mm, you just lost out. Simple enough, right? Yeah, you get it. Um, there's some other elasticities though. Like that's just uh, uh, elasticity to demand. So um, there's, but there are a lot other uh Elasticities, income elasticity. There's arc elasticity. There's cross uh, cross elasticity, uh, cross price elasticity. So basically, like, how does the change of popcorn affect the change in soda sales at a movie theater? Um, that's an interesting case study. And uh, let's leave that to the economists. Like, uh, fuck that. I don't want to do that. Um, price elasticity is basically uh, of supply. Uh, is another one and basically is a percentage of change in quantity that comes from a 1% change in price. So like, how does it, how does the quantity, um, how does the quantity get changed? So how does the supply side move? So like everything else is really more so um, determinant upon the demand side, but the, the price elasticity of supply is very specific to um the change in quantity uh, that's from a 1% change in price. So you'll learn about all that shit. You'll have fun. You'll work in groups. And uh, we'll probably talk more econ on episode number three and maybe four, maybe five. I don't know. Just kind of making this shit up as I go along. Hope you like the show. Hope you like the banter. Hope I got everything right. I'm going to get to the part of the show that comes at the end. The opinions and views expressed in the show are that of the hosts only. They do not represent their children, wives, dogs, employers, co-workers, neighbors, in-laws, friends, acquaintances, or esteemed university faculty. Eh, don't take advice from a podcast. And we will see you next time. <laughs>